Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, and good night. No matter where you are in the world, I'd like to welcome you back to another episode of Whose World Is This? with Junior Renee Bobrun. If you are a first-time listener, I'd like to welcome you to this ongoing conversation that is now in its 92nd or 93rd episode. And if you're a returning listener, thanks again for lending me your ears. Once again, I appreciate that. You could be listening to anybody. You can be giving anybody your divided attention, but you're giving it to me. And I appreciate getting a morsel, just getting a piece of your attention. I may not be getting your undivided, but just getting your divided attention is a commodity because everyone out there is vying for your attention. Every single service provider, content creator, product uh provider manufacturer wants your attention so me getting your attention for this however many minutes or seconds is paramount it's important it's uh something that i do not take lightly um so little housekeeping before we begin thank you guys for the donations i appreciate it uh my cash app is dollar sign j-u-n-b-e-a-u that's dollar sign june bow my uh, uh, Venmo is Junebo, J-U-N-B-E-A-U. My uh, Zell is my first name and my last name at Gmail. My first name is J-U-N-Y-A. My last name is B-E-A-U-B-R-U-N. Okay. And for those of you that have my phone number, you can use that. But for, for those that don't, you can use my email. Again, that's Bobrun at Gmail. J-U-N-Y-A. B-E-A-U-B-R-U-N, Bobrun at gmail.com. Thank you, guys. If you guys have any questions, concerns, kudos, uh, 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 collaboration opportunities, investment opportunities, things like that, uh, uh, sponsorship opportunities, please feel free to send me an email at whoseworldisthis21 at gmail.com. That is whoseworldisthis. That's W-H-O-S-E world is this two one at gmail.com or our instagram which is whose world is this two zero two one so please feel free to follow the page send me a direct message i will get back to you at my earliest i um and i definitely appreciate it definitely you guys thank you guys for purchasing the journals at chavezhouse.com that's chavez with an s chavez.com we have a publishing blueprint on how to become a successful self-publisher. That book was number one in its genre on Amazon last year around this time. Um, We have uh, uh, journals, gratitude, daily journals, evening journals, fitness logs for men and women, decorative notebooks. I mean, you know, there's over um, 100 items. If you go on ChavezHouse.com or you go on Amazon and you check Chavez House Publishing and all the things that are, uh, all the items that are published by Lenore Batista are exclusively at ChavezHouse.com. So you're definitely looking for things that are uh, uh, created by Lenore Batista. There actually, there's been an uptick in sales. Uh, they've mentioned that to me. I don't know how much advertising they've been doing outside of my particular platform. I'd like to think that many people that have been listening, a couple of people have gone out and just said, eh, I'll pick up a book. I'll pick up this, you know, whatever. It's all good. I'm not entirely sure. Um, when I get the website up and running and I put a link onto their site on my page, then I'll be better able to quantify the effect or the influence that this platform is having on sales of certain um, <clears throat> product and service providers that I've advertised or that I've mentioned in the past. Uh, so in any case, what are we going to talk about today? A lot going on. I'm traveling. I'm in and out of regions while I'm doing this, but I felt as if I can't let a whole, all, so many of these ideas um, just not be put out there. Because I know that um, with, with more experiences, my dialogue is going to change the more experiences that I have. So I like to give you or, or I like our conversations to be in real time. What's going on with me, what I see in the world, my perspective based on experience and research, academic, whatever, intellectual, whatever the case may be. So I know that what I'm thinking 
maybe two weeks from now, if I decided to just just take a break from this, take a hiatus and just uh, wait till I get back, some things would be lost. There's certain things that I'm feeling in the moment. It's not that they're fleeting, but I may move on to something else later on because there's so much going on with me right now. I, I want to travel. I, I'll just give you a brief, uh, just a brief summary. I went to a Native American, uh, not quite a reservation, but I observed several Native American ceremonies uh, in their own habitat, in their own environment. It's not as if I went to a concert someplace else and they were performing or something like that. In their environment, in their region, in their hometown, <clears throat> I was able to witness firsthand uh, Native American ceremonies, uh, certain nature dances, rain dances, um, uh, gratitude to nature uh, uh, ceremonies. And uh, it's interesting to me that I've lived in this country my whole entire life. I've lived on the East Coast most of my life. Uh, my, let's say 98% of my life has been as an East Coaster, whether it's been New York City or South Florida, although I've visited and I've spent months in one place, maybe months in another place. But for the most part, 98% of my existence <clears throat> has been as an East Coast guy. And um, it's amazing how little we know about the original inhabitants of this country, their customs and the things that they do. And I was in a region for a while that was uh, uh, predominantly Native American. And I thought and the energy was different. So many things were different. I, I, I had a little bit on film. I, I tried not to record, even though they encouraged the recording. I didn't take many pictures. I wanted to immerse myself in the experience without looking to take a picture. I felt that a photograph and me f taking a picture of it was going to separate me from the experience. I didn't want to reach in my pocket or have something on the, uh, in my hand. So I just sat there and I just watched. But then I took a moment out to record. And why did I record? Because there was this little girl, maybe about three years old, tiny, adorable she looked like a doll she was amazing looking she was cute little face and she wasn't in the ceremony but you could tell this was her family and this was her siblings because you know um she was sitting with her mom her mom was sitting directly next to me i was surrounded by natives and other people and this little girl at three years old was doing the exact same dances with the exact same preciseness and execution as the older people that were doing the ceremony. Now, the people that were doing the ceremony ranged from seven years old to about almost 30 years old. So there was a seven-year-old girl, and I think the oldest was a 28-year-old man. Now, this little three-year-old girl was so focused. She didn't smile. She didn't do anything. She was focused on getting the steps right. So I became more enamored with this little girl that wasn't in the ceremony, per se, formally. I was more immersed with her at one point than I was with the people actually performing. Why is that? Was it because she was so cute? That was one of the reasons. She was adorable. Yeah, was I marveling at the fact that this tiny little creature knew these ancient traditions? that date back for generations and generations and generations? Was I impressed by her? Yes. But there was also something else. And it goes back to something that I spoke about in, in a previous episode. When I said, we have a problem in America. And one of the problems with America is we don't have traditions, we have trends. And I said that we have trends. What are, what are our traditions? It seems that every couple of years, there's a new study telling us what we should be telling our children, what we should be doing for each other, how we should. And is that evolution? Is that is that progress? Should certain things be rooted in certain traditions? Should we have some traditions? But because we live in a consumer culture and our capitalism and our industry is based on making certain things obsolete and buy the new thing, there is something 
in business, business term that's called inherent obsolescence. Inherent obsolescence. Now, what does that mean? For those of you that don't know what that means, it means that as soon as you buy something, it is already obsolete, that there's already a better product that they already have. That's that's it's already three, four years behind. There's this there's this uh, term that a friend of mine used to always say that every technology that we have is 10 or 12 years behind the technology that's already been perfected. And they're just waiting to parcel it out to you little by little by little. So everything that we have is inherently obsolete upon purchase. So when you're getting the new or the latest and the greatest, it's not the latest and the greatest. They already have the better version of what you have. It's already out. They already have it. They're just waiting to parcel it out to you little by little. And in a consumer economy that we have, it's always about getting the next thing, the newest thing, what's most current. The music isn't even about what's the best music. It's about what's the newest, who's the latest. And we will make the latest the greatest. So what ends up happening is that lacks tradition. So we're a trend based. And remember, we're a young country. We're an old democracy. Our government is old because it's one of the most stable or longest lasting governments in the world has ever seen. I think we're the oldest democracy on earth, the United States. But as a country, we're a baby, a couple of hundred years old. That's nothing in comparison to, 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 to empires in Asia and Africa and in Europe. It's nothing. It's, it's, it's a drop in the bucket. You know, there are people's last names that are older than the United States. Okay? So it's young. And in that time frame, what are our traditions? Because I'm looking at this young Native American girl, a native, and I'm seeing her at three years old, carrying on, dot, 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 traditions of her ancestors while living in this Western world. See, like I told you, I was not on a reservation. I was not on a cave, not in a cave somewhere or or, or an adobe dwelling somewhere where people were living away from civilization, so to speak. And I put civilization in quotes, by the way, because that's a layered word. That's a hot word but this is not where i was i was in a regular city you know in my travels a regular city normal city not on the outskirts on the margins on the periphery of a city in the rural region or the pastoral region no no city traffic lights wi-fi fast food restaurants everything all the indicators that you're living in a typical American or you're in a typical American city. That's where I was. But in the midst of all of that, in the midst of all of that, there's this young child, this three-year-old pupa, this tiny little creature that is doing precisely what her ancestors did hundreds upon hundreds of years before her birth. And at three years old, She was doing exactly what her ancestors did with the same preciseness as her ancestry, carrying on tradition. Now, why is why am I bringing this up? The next day I ate at a very a rooftop restaurant, you know, had some fancy, you know, me and my lady were enjoying ourselves, you know, you know, holding hands and smiling. She was looking quite pretty, you know, if I do say so. And. We're sitting there and we're enjoying a great meal, right? Great meal. It's awesome fun. And I just happened to glance over at another table. And at this other table, there were four adults, two male adults, two female adults, late 30s, 40s. And there were three boys at this table. And all three of the boys were, I would say, under the age of 10. The youngest looked about six and the the eldest looked around, I would say, maybe 10 or 11 years old. They're all sitting at this dinner table. The eldest boy had headphones attached to a tablet. The other two boys who looked looked like they could be between six and nine were sitting directly next to each other and they had two tablets right next to each other and both of them were looking at each other's tablets. 
The eldest had headphones and a stylus pen, and he's writing on the tablet playing, and then the two younger ones are sitting side by side. Meanwhile, the adults are conversing back and forth, having conversations, being quite demonstrative. Now, I'm enjoying this, this rooftop meal I'm having. First of all, the meal was, 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 was good. Um, the the, the, the uh, atmosphere was awesome. It's a great little place. I'm enjoying the atmosphere, server, conversing a bit, what to do in your town, et cetera, et cetera, all of that good stuff. But for some odd reason now, instead of me just sitting there and enjoying my meal with my woman, I am now enamored with what's going on at this table because one of my pet peeves is being acted out right in front of me. And what is one of my pet peeves? One of my 21st century pet peeves is watching children, adolescents, preteens at a dinner table with their tablets out and they're more enamored with what's going on in that meta space than what's going on in their reality in the real world remember we spoke about this and this is going to be i'm going to try to break this particular show that i'm doing right now in segments but it's very difficult for me to break things down in segments because i often immerse myself in one subject but i'm trying to i'm trying to do this as a segment and move on to something else but this is important when i spoke earlier about what's going on with these kids and parents if you think that you're just gonna feed and water your seed and send them out into the world and you've done your job you haven't even begun that's the basics that's what you've just accomplished is 101 when you're sitting at a restaurant at a dinner table and you've allowed your children to sit at this same dinner table with their electronic devices in hand, immersed in these electronic devices, as opposed to them just sitting there speaking to each other, eating and chewing their food with their mouth closed, and quite possibly listening in on the adult conversation. So they can learn social skills. This is how adults speak. This is what we find exciting, and this is what they find exciting. And then engage a little bit with the parents as well. And you get to what? You get to hone and strengthen your social skills, your interpersonal skills. And you, and you exhibit a certain level of social stamina. So even if you're a little bit bored, even if your attention is waning because you think this meal is going on long, it's too long, you're still learning what's called social stamina. Where even in a situation where you may not be as interested or you become disinterested, you still find a way to remain engaged, using all of your senses, activating all of your senses, imagining certain things, finding ways to make this scene interesting on your own without devices, without supplements, without anything supplemental, just you. You learn. Eh, this is boring. What can I do? Maybe I'm going to interrupt. I'm going to mention this because there's this little girl that I know. A friend of mine owns a great restaurant out there in Oklahoma City. It's a Caribbean restaurant. And he has a niece. And his niece is about six years old. This little girl loves attention. And she's funny. She's dynamic, cute little cartoon face. And if she notices the conversation is steering in a direction that she doesn't want, she finds a way to steer it back to where she wants it. She is adept at that, and, I, and, I've, and I've identified that in her early. I said, this little one here is a dynamo. And you know what she doesn't have? She doesn't own a tablet. She doesn't own phones. She doesn't own any electronics. She colors. She writes. I'm not saying that that's, I'm not saying that that's the reason why she's such a dynamo. She just is. But instead of retreating back into some sort of social universe and uh, sort of meta universe, some digital universe, she is highly social. She shakes your hand. She looks you dead in your eyes. She formally introduces herself, and she lets you know that she's in the room. People like that will always run the world. People who can command a room. When I see her, I see a little boss. She's not bossy, but she's a commander. 
So I always speak to her and I always let her know how important she is. So we have conversations and I ask her what her life is about and this, that, and the third. And she notices the conversation is steering in a direction that she's bored with and she'll listen for a while and then she'll interject and she'll interrupt and I love it. And I, and I enjoy the dance that she does. This little girl is highly socially intelligent. She can read a room at six years old. But that 10, 11 year old at the table can't read anything if it's not coming off of that screen. You have surrendered your children to the digital world. You have just relinquished control of your child to the metaverse. I may sound like an, an alarmist, I know, but you don't know your kids because this kid's tablet, the, 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 the older kid at that table, his tablet went dead. And the reason why I know his tablet was dead is because he got up from where he was sitting, walked all the way to his father's side of the table and asked his dad for his cell phone. He couldn't stand to be disconnected. He didn't just sit there and go, oh, whoops, my device is dead now. Let me engage in the world. All right, that universe, I'm done with that universe. Let me enter into the other universe. He didn't do that. He had to remain plugged in. So his dad pulled his phone out and gave it to his son. So when I say to you guys, we don't know what's going on with these babies when we hear about these mass shootings, when we hear about this and, and, and parents are going, I don't know. Or I don't know how my kid could do this or my nephew can do this or my neighbor can do this or my classmate can do this or my student can do this. This is one of the reasons why. We're sitting at a dinner table. The kid doesn't know you and you don't know the kid. And as a parent, you're not putting forth the effort and understanding and looking deeper into the future and saying it is going to be very important for my children to have these interpersonal skills and know how to deal with the world around them. So when we speak about bullying, when, how, how is a child who at, at three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten years old spends more time in a metaverse going to deal with conflict resolution. Kids get bullied. Kids get teased. Children are always going to find a, a reason to tease other children. Human beings find reasons to tease adults. We as adults find reasons to ostracize and stratify each other. We, we, that's part of who we are as people. In a species, we're looking for patterns and categories. That's what we do. We're looking for embellishments, diminishments, aggrandizations. That's what we do. And we do that from early on. And it comes and it comes and it takes higher elevated creatures, our parents, to say, you don't do that. There's no need to do that. There's correcting these behaviors. But you have to give these kids the tools. So now you have a bunch of kids now who've spent their life isolated and insulated in these metaverses and they still have to deal with the real world but are they equipped they're gonna have to experience the real world when they go off to school and someone says hey man what's wrong with your haircut hey why do you look like that why are you so weird why'd you say that why do you have those sneakers why do you this then a third ill you're this you're that I'm, they're gonna find some sort of reason to 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 to, to diminish you some way somehow their hierarchies are created biologically that we create social stratas and hierarchies in the wild there's a hierarchy even in within a species there's the alphas and the betas and the sigma this is we that's already established and human beings find their own ways to create these stratas how is your child going to deal with these things guess what they're not so these this generation the young millennial, the zennials, the little, the little alphas coming up, generation alpha, they're not equipped to deal with each other. They're not equipped to deal with the negative emotional stimuli in the way that my generation probably was. Because of their level of insulation from that where world, their ability to go home and find a whole other universe online with their tablets and phones, as opposed to parents saying, yeah, no, you're going to learn how to play an instrument. You're going to play a sport that you may suck at. And people may boo you and laugh at you, but you're going to learn how to get booed at. You're going to learn how to get laughed at because you know something, the world 
The world is not going to love you the way you think you should be loved. The world is not going to treat you like family all the time. You're going to find places where you are going to feel right at home, but it's going to be your job to create a safe space for yourself no matter where you are. And do these kids have the rules and the tools and the jewels to get to that level? No. No. So that's why I bring that up, the traditions versus trends. Because now these kids are learning things online at a speed that parents aren't. Parents are rigid. You have your job. You have your, you have your, your, your duties as a parent, your duties in the workplace, your, maybe your community duties. And all of those things take up most of your time. Your children are the ones that have all of that disposable time, Right? And what are they doing with it? They're learning things about things in different ways that you're not learning. So you're not even able to stay ahead of your kid to see and figure out what they're learning and what all of these new devices, what are they doing to the neural synapses and the neural pathways in their minds? These kids are growing up psychologically fragile when it comes to interpersonal relationships. So one little bullying or a couple of uh, one semester in high school or, 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 or the fall semester of bullying turns this little person into a totally dark, different creature. And now they have now they've decided to extricate themselves from the world. And now they're in their own little universe that their parents have provided because it's you that's providing the $500 smartphones and $500 tablets and all of the games and the this and the that. And you are not putting a, a, a the proper premium on having the social skills necessary to make it in this world. It's the people that have highly evolved social skills that make it in the marketplace. I've been at jobs where a person wasn't very good at the job, was mediocre at the job, but was awesome at schmoozing with our supervisors and our, ch and our, and our uh, 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 managers. So they were the ones who got the promotion over Mr. or Miss Diligent at their job. The one that was diligent at making sure that they, they understood how to read their boss, read the employer, read the person who had the power to promote or demote. It was that person that I noticed that got the promotion over everybody else. Somehow that person got the raise. Someone, somehow, someway, that person was in the loop, the informational loop necessary for them to make uh, 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 certain decisions in the marketplace. It was the highly socially intelligent person, the highly social and the highly socially intelligent person that got those, that got the, um, once they got in, you couldn't stop them. So, what am I saying? We have our kids now following trends. They're online. They're learning from, e from each other. They're, they're, they're in these chat rooms and these echo chambers and they're in this deep web that parents, parents can barely get out of their Google and their little Facebook site. Parents go on Google. Parents are on Outlook. Parents are on whatever company, website, and app that they have to use for work. And that's it. They, they, they stream a couple of things. They read a couple of books on their Kindle. And that's the adult's extent of the web. Meanwhile, the parents go on YouTube, blah, blah, blah. The, the little ones who, 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 who were born in the Matrix, who were born plugged in, okay, who were born in a hospital that was completely Wi-Fi'd out, whose delivery was practically digital, those kids, they're not as highly social and they have all the information in the web. The web is teaching them more than you are. So one day I'm watching a three-year-old carry on the traditions of her ancestry that dates back generations, dates back centuries at three years old in the midst of modern America. In the middle of it. And the next day, what do I see? I see kids sitting at a dinner table that can't engage with their ancestry. That have no way, they can't engage, they can't emulate because they're plugged in 
to this digital world that is feeding them information that the parents haven't even curated before the children had access to it. And no one's sitting at the table eating with their, knowing what their salad fork looks like. Their soup spoon. Their knife for the meats and the knife for their salad. Not under, no, no table etiquette to speak of. Not sitting there. I remember observing adults as a child. <clears throat> I would go to my cousin's home and the cousins would run and play with each other. And then there would be that moment where I would listen to my dad at the, at the, at the, at the table where, where the men were sitting, listening to the radio and talking politics about the Caribbean and Haiti and, and America and, oh, this one and that one. And I would listen for a while. And then I would go back to play. And then I would listen for a while. And I saw how adults interacted with each other. And I would go to every single family member's home. I was able to imitate to a T every single adult in the room because of my ob observational skills. Because I took a moment to see what was going on in my universe. Meanwhile, the children in Silicon Valley, all the children of the Silicon Valley gurus that have given us all of this technology that you're supposed to be immersed in, they only have their kids online like two, three days out of the week. So they're feeding your kids stuff that they're not feeding their kids. Do you understand? So your kids are hooked on this digital contraband, on this digital dopamine. But your kids are. They sell it to your kids. They're not selling it to theirs. Their kids are camping. Their kids are going to math camp. Their kids are going to, to, to different trips. Their kids, have, their kids don't have smartphones. Their kids have real photography cameras and legal pads where they take a picture of something, then they write about the thing that they're taking a picture of. They're not taking the picture so they can put it on their online site and put it on their social media site and see how many comments and attention that it can garner. You understand what I'm saying? So it's very, very important. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to keep beating that drum because the United States has a huge problem when it comes to not understanding what's going on with this next generation. And this next generation is this generation of zennials and little alphas, and the young, younger millennials, guess what? They're being fed this information by Xers and Gen Xers who work in Silicon Valley, people in their late 30s, 40s, and 50s who are giving them these, these um, 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 stimuli, this, this sterile stimuli, this, uh, uh, this stimuli that we still don't know what it's going to do to the neural pathways of these kids later on in life. All of this, this isolation, being in your room for hours at a time in this other world. <clears throat> and it's not books that allow you to use your imagination and you can open up a book and go to another world. No, you're in this digital world that's doing all the work for you. It's giving you all the sight, all the sounds, all the stimuli. And so you don't get to use your imagination. You become just a vessel. You sit there and you absorb all of it as a kid in your most formative years. You sit there and you absorb this information. Okay? It's not as if you're reading and then the, the words are on the paper, but somehow, somewhere, your mind has to work to bring those characters on the page to life. Those environments that's, that an author wrote about, that the writer wrote about, you have to bring it to life. That's your job as a, as a reader. When that writer describes a smell, you have to put it yourself in a position where you can almost smell what that writer is describing. You can almost see it, touch it, taste it, smell it. You're there in the room. That's you using the power of your imagination. That's the child using the power of their imagination. But if it's all given to you already in this digital con content world, then when, do you get, when does a child get to learn who they are and what their imagination is capable of? They don't. And when do they get to learn how to deal with conflict? When they dealt with something happened to them out in the schoolyard, at the park, at the this, at the that. And then they have to deal with the angst and all these new feelings. And then they get to go to their parent or their older sibling and go, yo, this just happened to me. I, 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 this is what I was feeling. This is what I was thinking. But I got mad or I was sad or I was scared or I was this. But instead you go, you know what? I'm not even going to deal with that world at all. I'm going to stay inside. 
You go around neighborhoods all across America. Where are the kids riding their bikes in droves? I, I, I hate this. I'm not a boomer. I'm far from a boomer. But I remember 12, 13, 14 kids on bicycles down my block. And I'm riding down. And I remember I wasn't allowed to leave my block. So I'm watching kids ride from my neighbor. Hey, June, you coming with us? Nah, nah, nah. I got to stay around. I got things to do. I couldn't tell them that I was relegated to my block and couldn't leave because of my mom. My mom said, eh -eh, no way. You're not leaving this block. So I'm riding back and forth on my sidewalk while friends of mine in the neighborhood were on adventures. But I was just happy being outside. Outside of a outside of a couple of cartoons and a couple of sitcoms, there was nothing really to do inside. I would read my books, you know, read. Sometimes I'd read the encyclopedia for fun, you know, but I didn't have a TV in my room. There were two televisions. There was one in the living room and one in my mother's and my dad and mom's room, my parents room. And they they regulated that as if it was a TV in the prison recreational hall. What channel it was on and at what time my dad or my mom would come out of nowhere and mid show turn off a turn off the television while I was watching click go outside oh, but I was watching that nope no burning no burning electricity in the middle of a day go outside so tv was either early morning cartoon affair on saturday mornings or it was a late evening or an evening before you go to bed affair <clears throat> it was not in the middle of a day sun is out sun shining and you got this little kid in the house just watching tv it was unacceptable but now, parents, you guys are more than okay with the kid being in the house, on the laptop, head getting that giraffe neck where they now they have a big lump in the back of their necks. Oh, by the way, this is true. There's studies of showing that the kids' necks are, are they, there's more neck pain because all of these kids are looking down at their phone. So there have been more cases of children having certain spinal and cervic, cervic, cervical neck pain because of the, the constant looking down at the phone. They don't look straight ahead. They don't hold their head high looking up towards the sky. They're looking down at their phones because your phone isn't held, held straight ahead in front of your face. It's down by your chest, by your waist, and you're looking down at your phone. That's what's going on right now in the world. So these kids are not equipped to deal with what's going on with the normative things that are going to happen in a life. So when you talk about stop bullying, stop bullying, no bullying, it's nonsense. Bullying is part of the maturation order. That's what it is. It's a part of the order. You're going to get bullied. There are people that are not going to like you. There are certain social systems that are going to exclude you. Social caste systems, kids are going to create them. They're going to create them as early as first, second, third grade. Forget about uh, middle school and high school. It gets real. <clears throat> different cafeteria tables segregated based on a bunch of different things. Who has money? Who doesn't? Who's the geek? Who is the arts? Who are the artsy kids? Who are the street kids? Who are the skater kids? Who are the goons? All of that stuff. Every, who listens to this kind of music? Who listens to that? Who, who, who studies this religion? Who does we're going to find ways to stratify ourselves. That's what we do. We're going to find our social systems. And oftentimes it's a messy process finding out which social system we belong into that we fit more into than another. Some people are going to kick us out of a system and go, no, you don't belong here. And you're sometimes you're the last to know. You're not the first to know. It's not as if you made that choice. It's going to be some kids that made that decision for you and it's going to be jarring. It's going to be hurtful. And you can give kids tools and rules and how to say things and how to um, 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 gently lay someone off instead of firing them. Right, 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 right. It's still going to hurt. It's still going to be a traumatic experience. Still, because you're going to feel as if your value is diminished. They don't want me. They don't like me. What's wrong with me? And there are kids now at an early age that have the ability now to completely just cash out of that system okay so now bullying i feel is a rite of passage just saying i've been bullied and then i became kind of a bully yeah i and even consider it bullying i didn't have a word for it i just thought this is just the way it is and i found a way to fight back in my own way and some kids have the fortitude to do so and some didn't and i personally certain kids who didn't if i if i took a liking to them i, I would defend them 
So at times I became a hero for those who didn't know how to defend themselves. And at other times I was kind of a pseudo bully myself, unfortunately. But I also understand that's the pecking order. The United States can be a hero to some and a bully to others. Am I wrong? We live in a country that some consider a great big bully and other countries think is a great big hero. Depends on the circumstances. Huh? Some people think Russia's bullying the Ukraine right now, and Russia thinks that the West is bullying them. Well, looky here. You understand? So if you don't have the interpersonal skills and you're not given the opportunity to, 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 to use those skills, and your parents and your parental units and your, and your elders are not giving you the dot, 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 tradition, and the rules and the tools and jewels passing them down, analogically to these children to say, this is how you deal with these situations. This is how I dealt with it. This is how your mother dealt with it. This is how your grandmother dealt with it. Grandpa, your auntie, uncle, this is, and, and no, but instead you have four adults at the table, three children, seven, seven people at this table. And the adults are not in there. They're not over 18. They're not 21. They're over 30, possibly over 40 grownups grown-ups but all three of the adolescents that are just approaching double digit ages are sitting there plugged in to a whole other universe and system do you remember when you couldn't even put your toy does anybody remember that that's listening i i used to play with um uh little little action figures and i'm playing and mom is like get your, wash your hands it's time for food time for dinner now when i'm in the middle of playing with my little action figures you can't tell me anything Okay, I'm I'm locked in and I would try to bring one of my toys on the table and still play with it while eating. My mom would give me a death glare. The look she gave me was so frightening that I felt the heat on the side of my face that she was. So if she was sitting on my right side, my whole right cheek would burn. I would feel the, the, the sensation and I knew what that was about. She looked at me like this kid, he can't be serious if he thinks that he's going to bring his toy onto the table and start making little noises with his toy on the table while eating. So I would just put the toy down and then she, we would continue to eat. And I would test her a couple of times. Maybe a couple of weeks later, I would try it again. Same death look until the point I realized, yeah, I'm not going to do that again because the look might just escalate into something else. So let me just not do that again. My brother would try it, my younger brother, and he would get the look too. But he was a little bit harder headed than I was, a little thick headed. So it would come to the point where mom would have to take the toy, maybe give him a little tow tow and be like, listen, you don't do that. And I would look at him like, you'll get it off the table. And he's looking at me like, so what? Okay. I'm like, all right, you're not reading the social cues in the room, homie, but you will learn. And mom did show him. She showed him and he learned. So all of these things, so now to go from not being able to have a little tiny toy that stands about two, three inches tall, I can't have that on a table, but these kids have full-blown tablets with headphones on? Are you kidding me? Parents, you don't even get enough time with your children as we speak. You're spending 40 to 50 to 60 hours a week commuting to and from and going to work, and then your kids are at school for 20, 30 hours a week. And so the little time that you guys have to spend with each other, you're allowing them to be plugged in to a digital world that you have zero control over, zero autonomy over. <sighs> and then you're going to wonder what's going on with the babies. Huh? <sighs> just saying. Maybe this isn't going to be a segment. Maybe this is just going to be the whole show. I'm just saying. We got to have a conversation about that. Just saying, I just wanted to give you guys a brief synopsis on that, um, that little experience I had because I just found it to be telling and pressing. And, and to me, it was indicative of the world that we live in in this first world nation with all of the accoutrements and all of the, like I said, trends. Trends. Those same parents weren't allowed to have things at the dinner table. And they're not carrying on the traditions of their elders, of their parents and grandparents, 
they weren't allowed. They had to have their hands washed and they had to sit at the dinner table and sit upright and eat and chew with their mouth closed. Okay. And know how to use a fork correctly. And you, you, you use the knife. You don't hold the fork like it's a hammer. That's what my mother told me. You don't hold the fork like it's a hammer, June. Okay. This is how you hold a fork. Your thumb has to go here. Your forefinger goes under your thing. Okay. All of that. And then you're, you're eating at the table, you're talking, and then you, you're quiet. You're not speaking too loudly. You're learning all the social cues. There's a whole lot of etiquette. People, the, 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 the um, consumption ritual that human beings go through at the dinner table is quite elaborate. Quite elaborate. Sitting upright, napkins, knives, forks, tools everywhere. This one is for that. You don't put that fork in there, June. That's that 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 platter already has a spoon. You use that. Don't put your fork in that because other people. Oh, okay, okay, all right. It's elaborate. It's a lot going on at the dinner table. The dinner table is a very very important important aspect of 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 of, of socializing in, in the United States. And period. All across the world, people are sitting there and eating is important. It's an important ritual. This is where people gather. If you didn't see each other all day, people, well, this person left at 5 a.m., this person left at 7 a.m., maybe you didn't eat breakfast together, but that dinner table is where everyone congregates and you get to exchange ideas and have conversation and speak about your day and the goings-on that are going on. It's very, very important. And what have we reduced it to? Where every single time I go out to eat, and I eat out several times a week, okay? And, and I'm seeing, especially in the West, especially in America, I don't see it as much when I'm visiting the Caribbean. I don't see it as much when I'm visiting Europe. But in the United States, in the contiguous United States, where we are having some serious issues with our youth, by the way, by the way, and we can't relegate it to just them because we parents... You have ultimate autonomy over these kids for a, for a significant part of their lives. So if a kid is acting a certain way at 15, I'm going to be like, hey, that's you, mom and dad. They're not doing that at 40. They're doing it at 15. You had this child. You have been the ultimate authority figure in this child's young, short life. So if this kid now decides at 18 years old that it wants to pick up 1,600 rounds of ammunition and do certain things, I'm blaming the society. I'm blaming the village and its inability to pass on concrete traditions. I'm blaming the village. It is, it is what I call an easy, 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 lowbrow um, 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 determination for me to go, hey, what's going on around this kid? What, is the, what does this kid do? Show me what that kid does from day to day or what they are allowed to do from their adolescence to now. And I'll, and I'll, and I'll let you know how they, how they ended up there. I'll let you know. And the, and the indicators, as parents and as adults and as, 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 as stewards for these young minds, for them to lead us into the next generation, our kids the children, the future are not supposed to be a danger to us. They are dangerous because we as adults are not alerting them to the dangers. Just saying. Just saying. We want to look at the problem. Oh, it's the guns. So it's the guns, really? It's the guns? Okay. Oh, the gun. Okay. What's leading a kid to think that it's okay to do the things that they're doing happens way before a gun enters into the picture. Okay? I've said that before. Poverty control versus gun control. Mental health control. We're going to speak about these things because I can't... The conversation such as it is, is problematic. It's, it's, so, it's so disastrously, disastrously and tragically flawed to say, oh, yeah, we got to get the guns. And, oh, this one is saying, oh, the guns. Now we're using it as a political football and not looking at these babies. And when I look at those 10, this three, the six, seven, eight, nine, 10-year-old kid that stands sitting there with their, with their tablets connected, 
not connecting to each other, but connecting to these devices, not connecting to their, their the social circle and the grander and bigger world around them that surrounds them, but are locked into this digital world and the parents relinquishing the, their influence, relin- relinquishing their autonomy and, 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 and social strictures to this these digital devices in that digital world. When I look at that relinquishing and I say to myself, you can't possibly not look in the mirror and say you're part of the reason why these kids are like this. I'm telling you that there are certain dangers on the web right now. It's like having a new vaccine that hasn't been tested yet and wondering why you have the side effects that you have. That's what's going. It's like putting a new product out there that hasn't been tested completely yet to see its pros and cons. That's what's going on with these children. These children that have been born plugged in. The plugged in babies. We don't know. We're hearing about social media anxiety disorder. They're schmad. Media anxiety disorder. They're mad. Social anxiety disorder. They're sad. So you're mad, schmad, sad. Um, social media withdrawal syndrome. This is, these are things now. We're, we're creating names. Kids have to go to certain analog camps where there's no Wi-Fi. So you just try to unplug and just hug a tree. Hug a tree, see a bee, feel a breeze. What? This is where we are? This is the side effects of having technology when technology trumps your modicum of civilization. Remember what I spoke about? Trends versus tradition. What's new? Oh, this is new. We're all going to use it. We're all going to do it. We're all going to do this. And so never mind creating any traditions and strictures and standards and norms. It's new. This is the new way of doing things. Every couple of years, the United States tries to change its identity. Oh, we're doing this now. It's about this. It's about that. This is the new world. This is the new this. This is the new way of saying things. This is the new way. This is the new way. Nothing is rooted in any true traditions. And it's what makes America dynamic. At the same time, it makes it very dangerous to ourselves. So could this, could we be watching firsthand the decline of empire? Empire eats itself from within because we have not found a way to, to dynastically preserve the future by creating certain traditions and standards and, 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 and norms to cultivate so the, so the children actually know, the future actually knows what direction to step into where to go and what to do when their number is called to be adults. Look at the ages of these kids that are entering into doing shootings and, 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 and um, engaging in what we would call abhorrent, delinquent, deficient behavior. People are barely adults, barely legal ages. And look at the things that they're, ent- look at the, the, the kind of activities they're entering into. So if the people aren't looking at themselves first, I have a problem if the adults, I have a three-year-old little, little native girl who's, who's, who's carrying on traditions of her ancestry. This tradition has rooted generations. What exactly is a child in America right now doing that is rooted in a tradition that goes back centuries? What do they do? What standards, practices, and cultural norms are they engaged in right now that goes back generations? I'd like to know. Thank you. I'd like you to email me and tell me whose world is this 21 at gmail.com or whose world is this 2021 on Instagram. Or if you guys have whoever has my phone number and other emails, please feel free to hit me up because I'd love to know. Because I'm telling you, there's a relationship. There's a lot of things going on. And that's why when people use words like gun control, I go, whoa, that's it. You think that's going to be the fix? We're going to talk about that the next the next uh, uh, episode that I'm going to do, the next conversation. I'm going to try to break that one down into segments. But our trends versus having traditions, our inherent obsolescence, just looking for the next product, the next show, the next digital, the next distraction, the next, the next, the next. And nothing is rooted in the past. Nothing is rooted in certain things that can keep a kid like, OK, well, I may not know what direction to go into right now. So let me at least use tradition as an anchor, you know, 
It's like you're going across one of those drawbridges, those bridges that go from one mountain to another. You notice they have, no matter if you get a little imbalanced, you use the rope on both sides. Tradition is that rope. Tradition is that line that you use to step like, oh, this is a little wobbly. It's a little crazy, but I'm just going to hold on and I'll eventually get to the other side. And that rope will help. That's tradition. That's culture. Standards and norms. It's important. So what traditions do these kids have when everything is giving, gi being given to them at light speed? This is the new game. Mom, I need the new SD card. Mom, I got to download this new thing. Mom, I got the new update. I got to get this. Dad, I got I to gotta get the new. I got to get the new. I got to get the new. And nothing is rooted. Nothing is rooted. It's just this constant distractions into perpetuity that are not rooted in certain traditions and cultures, standards and norms. And there and then you wonder why these kids can't even speak to each other. I'm going to end on this. I have a friend of mine. He works for a major and I've mentioned this before. He, make, he works for a major nutraceutical company. Right. And there was a, a meeting of all the franchise owners of, of that have this that own a store. You know, they have, you know, stores, major, the major franchises that have a piece of this nutraceutical company. They all met and they all spoke about the new way that they have to speak to these uh, uh, zennial and young millennials. What do I mean by new way? Because these kids don't like to be approached when they walk into the store. You walk into a store and they're looking for an item. The, the comments that they're getting on their Web pages, on the comment sections is that people of a certain age, teenage years to early 20s, don't want to be approached when they walk into a store. They don't want to start conversation. They've already looked up this product online. They've already looked at the YouTube reviews, and now they just want to do a price check. They don't want to talk to you. They don't want to know. They're uncomfortable with the banter. They're uncomfortable. Now, me, on the other hand, I'm born right before this generation, I'm able to meet someone at a store. They, they, they come up to me, strike up a conversation. They don't have a name tag. I'll get their first name, last name, where they're from. By the time I get to the counter, I'm getting a better deal than that little, that the digital kid. Because I've established a social connection with that person. I probably already know what sports team they like where they're from originally or what they grew up watching or my dad was a fan of the Bears, so I'm a Bears fan even though I live in such and such. I'm like, get out of here, the Bears didn't have a... And all before you know it, there's a social connection. So when I walk in, it's June, what's up? Then I say, oh, what's up, such and such, yo. Oh, is such and such working? Oh, tell them June came in. And then all of a sudden, a new person at the counter is giving me a better deal than, oh, yeah, because since you're a friend of such and such, I'm like, okay. But this generation can't do that. When they see you face to face, they don't know how to establish a connection. They can establish that connection online, banter back and forth, give each other each other's usernames and avatars for whatever forums and games they're playing. But face to face handshake, what's going on with you? Maybe we should all go work out or, yo, yo, I heard there's something going on on this side of town. You should come through, bring, bring some, bring friends. I'll bring my, that, that's not the same thing. That doesn't happen. And this major corporation had a meeting that said that if you see people, a group of a certain age, uh, approach with caution. You can't use the same tried and true traditional sales tactics on them or just being approaching them in a friendly manner. They don't want to talk to you. They're not accustomed to talking to you. They would be better fitted, suited if you were texting them. If they walked into the place and you, you were able to get their phone number off of the, 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 the airdrop and text them, but like, how can we help you today? They're way more comfortable with that. Meanwhile, so their interpersonal skills are deficient. They can't speak to you the same way. They go on forums going, yeah, the creepy cashier guy was asking me how, uh, how my day was. The hell does he care? Wow, that's what's going on. So these kids who lack interpersonal skills, and we all know how in, in, us as mammals and us using our upper mammalian brains as human beings, our social circles are, are extremely important to us. And they, they can make us or break us. 
how we deal with our world, how we deal with each other. So if these kids are not equipped to deal with all that they're going through at the most impressionable points in their lives due to the lack of caretaking and curating from the adults in their lives and the lack of tradition, is it no wonder that we are where we are right now in America, wondering what's going on with our babies? Do you have to look far? Really? I don't think so. Just based on what I just outlined, does it not make an interesting case for it? I'm not saying it's the fact or it's the truth. Does it not make an interesting case as to why we are where we are and how we got here? Just saying. Like I said before, guys, hit me up. I'm more than open to uh, listening to all that you guys have to say on this particular matter because the future is us. If we don't do something about it, uh, it'll end up in a way, in a place that we don't want it to end up. And we'll be the victims of a future that we created. On that note, till we speak again.